All right. Welcome into the fifth down, the Houston Chronicles podcast on the Houston Texans. Well, let me change that. The playoff bound Houston Texans. They're not just the regular Houston Texans anymore. I'm Jerome Solomon, the columnist for the Houston Chronicle. Jonathan Alexander, who is the beat writer, covers the NFL and the Texans. Um, it's been a long season, four months running, and the Texans are in the playoffs. That's that's actually kind of cool, huh? Yeah, I'm telling you, like last year, uh, if you would have asked me were the Texans going to make the playoffs and become AFC South champs, we forgot to mention that too. Oh, that, we, that, we, right. We, we yeah, division champs yeah, on top of it. We got respect on their names. Um, yeah, I would have told you you were crazy, but here we are. CJ Stroud has outperformed expectations. Uh, the defense – even though they've been a little bit inconsistent, they've had some good games this season. Mm-hmm. And they... And, and numbers-wise, yeah, they're and, way... So much yeah, better than they were last absolutely. year. It's not even funny. Especially that run defense going mm-hmm. top five. I don't know where they are right now, but they before the game, last game, they were number three. It's just amazing what they've done in, in one year. And you know, it all came to be on that Week 18 game, and they beat the Colts. And yeah. they did what they needed to do. Yeah, to, to, to capsulate it a little bit, the... Vegas odds makers didn't believe in the Texans. Prognosticators didn't believe in the Texans. <laughs> Hardly anybody did. You know, but D'Amico Ryan, certainly the new head coach, believed in his squad and what they could do. Uh, Vegas had the over-under on win totals at six and a half. And they got to ten wins, so three and a half above that, which that means, that means they ran away with it. Only one other team in the NFL did that, and that was the Baltimore Ravens, which I don't can't believe Vegas had Baltimore at eight and a half wins. What, what were they thinking? Uh, but the Texans certainly surprised everyone, and and it really does start with C.J. Stroud. I mean, rookie quarterback having a great rookie year is one thing, but he's not having a great year for a rookie. He's had a great year for a quarterback. Period. Yeah, for sure. There was one point in the time he was in, in the MVP conversation, and I thought it, it was legitimate. He had a few less touchdown passes than, than some of his counterparts, but he was playing at such a high level, carrying the Texans at, at points during the season that you had that he, that you had to consider him for that award. He was that good, and, and he's, a, he's the main reason. He's the primary reason. D'Amico Ryans has done a great job. He's put the pieces he helped facilitate the drafting of, of C.J. Stroud, but C.J. Stroud how much a quarterback is the most important position on the field, and he is the primary reason, I would argue, that the Texans are where they are today. The dudes played 15 games because he missed two games with a concussion. And the most remarkable thing, I mean, he's he's the first Texan rookie to throw for 4,000 and only a couple of other uh, players in the NFL, rookie quarterbacks, threw for 4,000 yards. But that's always exaggerated in a way because of the type of football that's played now compared to what was played in the 70s and 80s. They they throw the ball so much more. Guys are going to get more yards. They play more games. But dude played 15 games. The, the stat that stands out the most to me about CJ is he had 12 games with zero interceptions. <laughs> that, I mean, he, he, he led the league in touchdown-interception ratio. For one, he had one game, two games with one interception, and then he had one game with three interceptions, a couple of bad breaks in that. But 12 games... Without an interception, and we're talking about a guy who's what did he finish second in the league in yards per game? So it's mm-hmm. not like they were just running the ball yeah. and and he was just a game manager. No, he was a playmaker, yeah. and he is a playmaker. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, they throw they throw the ball a lot uh, on this Texan team, and for him to have only five interceptions a whole year in three games where he threw 
interceptions is, is quite remarkable. But that just speaks to him. I mean, coming into this league, he was considered one of the most accurate quarterbacks uh, in the NFL in that draft, in that particular draft, and he's just showed it. But he's taking it up a, a he's taking it up a notch. Um, just to be able to do it in the NFL is different because a lot of people said Bryce Young was was accurate as well. Um, but he's had his struggles. I think that really mm-hmm. speaks to CJ and his confidence and his ability, his preparation. He's always prepared, uh, always uh, trying to get an edge on his opponents. And he's been in some big situations, and this will be a big one for him coming up. Yeah, these last two games after he came back from the concussion, he's been almost flawless in wins over Tennessee and at Indianapolis. Let's do a little quick recap on that Saturday night game. Uh, you were there for that. I mean – the Texans kind of controlled the game, but it wasn't an easy win. There was it, it got tight, and the game-winning drive, uh, as CJ did, I guess it's fair to say now he did what CJ does. Yeah, he did. What <laughs> he, yeah, he's been clutch. He, three game-winning drives this season in the most important moment of the game. He went seven for seven for 82 yards on that final drive. And they had a couple of drives that started out behind the sticks. Mm-hmm. I think they faced – With sec- penalties. Yeah, right, with yeah. penalties. Second and 14, second yeah, and 13. Yeah, I'm talking to you, Laramie Thompson. Yeah. <laughs> third and um, – and um, there was a, a long third down distance and uh, I think second and 20 one time. And each time they just made plays. And, and really – Credit to Nico Collins. He made some huge plays. Oh, man. Like the, the one where, where C.J. turns his back, turns around, voids two fenders, throws it in the air, and for Nico to go and run as fast as he can and go track that ball and, and, and die for it, that was probably the best play of the game because that really saved their season and saved uh, – it was second and 14 at that moment, moment, and he got the first down, and that was huge. It just kept the drive going, and they had momentum. They were mm-hmm. talking to each other, and they said that um, they had been in these situations before. Ten one-score games, they're seven and three in those games. And, and so they had confidence coming in there, and, and they went out and they did the thing. Yeah, that, the, I'll jump on a couple of things that you brought up there. Uh, one of those most overrated stats out there, or not overrated, but it's, it's misconstrued a lot, is that game-winning drive thing. Because <laughs> for several reasons, I, and I've studied a long time because I, I, I'm a numbers and stats guy, so I like to mess with him. But he, he had a couple other game-winning drives. They just didn't win the damn game. Yeah, <laughs> He Falcons, drove him yeah. to score to take the lead, and the defense didn't hold it. So he didn't get a game-winning drive or a fourth-quarter comeback. Uh, he does that regularly. But then also, the, I remember I, I was never a big Tony Romo guy, mm-hmm. and one of the uh, – a writer that covers them was like, oh, man, look at all those game-winning drives. Look at the fourth quarter comeback. It, and I was like, I went through them game by game. Yeah. They were fake. Like, <laughs> several of them were fake. So, like, for instance, the Cowboys had a game <laughs> where they were behind and um, a guy fumbled a punt inside his own five mm-hmm. on the last play of the third quarter. So the Cowboys recovered. And on the first play of the fourth quarter, Romo handed the ball off to a running back who scored a touchdown. He got a fourth fourth quarter comeback (laughs) and a game-winning drive. I'm like, that's not a game-winning drive. But but anyway, those are the kind of things that get silly with some of the stats. But CJ is – he is – actually, I I mean – we talking about his interception. He, he doesn't throw. He doesn't throw interception, and he puts the ball where it needs to be. So often, he's so good with it, man. And Saturday night, I mean, the the first play of the game lets you know what the Texans are about under D'Amico Ryan's. And 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 people 
we'll get on him and Slowick, you know, Bobby Slowick, the offense coordinator, sometimes about being a little conservative. They're they're not really conservative. It's no. just that's just the way they call the game. Yeah. But they went in from the first play and said, We're gonna take this game. Yeah. Seventy five yards to Nico Collins and and all you beat writers who were saying they didn't have a number one receiver, I guess I guess they kind of do. Huh? Yeah, Nico Collins is 100% a uh, number one wide receiver. He's been consistent all season. He missed two games. Otherwise, he'd probably be a 1,500-yard uh, receiver this season. He was at, finished with 1,297 yards. And, and he just <laughs> – I was talking to Laramie Tunsil in, in the locker room, and, and he said, we've been seeing flashes. We saw flashes of Nico. We knew what he was capable of, but he just needed a little energy from seven. Talking about C.J. Stroud, mm-hmm. really? I mean, that that came. It down makes a to, difference to, who's throwing yeah. to you. Yeah, it, it, does. It, it makes it in a huge difference who's throwing to you. Health also played a part in Nico. He was hurt his first two years, but he had all the intangibles. I, you know, I remember, I'm not gonna lie. I remember Bobby Sloak talking at the beginning of the year, or maybe it was Nico who said that Bobby had him looking at Julio Jones highlights because he right. said I, that, I, he, I remember, I remember that he could he write him about that. And yeah. I, I was like, Julio, that's a like. Why are you looking at Julio? Yeah, yeah. You, you're not Julio. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but but, when I, but Nico this season really has played like you know like a number one receiver, and I feel like if he could be healthy. Um, if he can figure out, and he's he's worked on, started doing yoga, started working on his body more. If he can be healthy, I think he can get up to not Julio type levels, but you know, I mean, number one. He's in that ballpark yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Julio I, was I, was another. Hell, I'm, I'm, yeah. I guess I need to go back and start watching some old Denzel Washington yeah. movies so I can I can be Denzel now. Yeah, but but if that if that's all it takes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but but Nico is playing lights out, and he was. Mm. I mean, it was, the crazy thing is the Texans knew that they could take advantage of the Colts secondary because Colts had a young secondary to struggle all season. Yeah, they had some blown coverages. Yeah. But the, yeah, but the Texans were without their when it comes to receivers, their second, third, and fourth leading receiver, not including Dalton Schultz tight end. Mm-hmm. But they so Nico was literally the only guy. Yet he still was successful, and it was yeah. It, you 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 drop a yeah. buck ninety five on yeah, somebody. That, that was a career high <laughs> in the most important game I mean, of the season. It, it really, and I mean, you know, I, you 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 just got here last year. I've been around the Texans since they started. It it it's one of the most impressive receiver performances in the history of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And I, I was with Andre Johnson uh, watching the game. You know, yeah, name drop. Um, and it's like, wow, this dude is—he's doing Andre yeah. Johnson type stuff. He's, you know, he's doing Hopkins type stuff. In and before the season started, nobody even knew who the hell Nico was. Yeah. And uh, D'Amico Ryan said it uh, on Monday in the press conference that he's like, I've been telling y'all since OTAs yeah. that this guy's making plays, and and D'Amico kind of made it seem like we didn't believe him because yeah. because we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, exactly. Coaches say stuff all the time. You're like, yeah, yeah right, coach, you're trying to pump up your guy. Yeah. But but Nico has delivered. Yeah, and, he's, and Nico's a, he's not your prototypical diva wide receiver. He's a good dude, uh, quiet, likes to have fun, happy Michigan's winning. And even when I tried to get him to brag a little bit, he wouldn't take the. He's not a throw to, me yeah, the damn nah, ball. Nah, nah he's he's star. not that type of guy. And I, I think that's what they like. You know, one thing I noticed about the Texans, a lot their their star players are all like genuinely good dudes, and mm. and like CJ Will, um, they got some good guys who are going to who are young who are going to be stars in this league has the potential to be stars in this league if they stay healthy. Yeah, that that. The good guy thing is um, is one of those things that some fans gravitate to and, and like, and it's like, well, 
even if they're bad guys, they can play. You want players who can play. But in the Texans situation, I asked D'Amico about that uh, in the Monday press conference because he's, you know, he's always been preaching, oh, get better every day and all of the cliches that coaches throw out there. I'm like, yeah, that's all fine and Danny, Miko, but why is this team different? Why does this team believe in that? Why did they gravitate to that? Because I guarantee you the Carolina Panthers coaches were telling them, let's get better every day, and, yeah. and they didn't. Yeah. You know? yeah. It doesn't always work. Why did it work? And he's like, Man, we we got those kind of guys. Mm-hmm. We got the kind of guys. They really are um, a reflection of their coach. And like I say, you didn't know him as a player. Mm-hmm. Trust that D'Amico from day one. Yeah, his veteran teammates voted him captain as a rookie. They were calling him Cap as a rookie mm-hmm. because of just who he is and the type of person he is. So obviously, he's going to try to find players who are like him. But man, they. You say good guys. They, I mean, they got great guys who are yeah. all about the team. They're not, you know, selfish or anything. And, they, and again, I'm not even saying selfish is wrong. It's your business. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, you know, a, a, a corporation in your own self when you're playing in the NFL. You want a 53, but when you are about the team, mm-hmm. it makes the team better. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even going on Nico, I, I remember talking to, uh, him earlier in the season talking about Tank Dell and said before every practice they tell each other who's going to get 100 yards today mm-hmm. and and so they 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 both care, they all care about each other they all want each other to win I think that's a strength of this team, the just the camaraderie and, and, and the unselfishness of this team and not really caring so much about the stat I'm sure they care about the stats but they don't let it be known um and and, and all they care about is winning and and um you know, that's what's led them here. Yeah, today. Mm-hmm. No, once the season's over, it'll be like, okay, it's contract time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Nico has made himself some money yeah, yeah. Oh, this year without no, question. He's, he's, he's going to be a paid. rich man. <laughs> yeah, his contract comes up after the 2024 season, and he's going to get paid handsomely. He's going he's gonna to probably try to get paid this offseason before mm-hmm. next year because you don't want to go into the last year of a contract. And it, But it that's going to be a fascinating thing because – you're talking about Texans and good players. You're talking about them in playoffs and winning games and the culture has mm-hmm. completely turned around and you were here all of last season. When you walk in that locker room, there's a vibrancy, there's an energy and I, I don't think we can give enough credit to D'Amico Ryans for what he's done. Yeah. Yeah, like I like I mentioned it, they they care, they hang out, uh, you know, CJ hosts receivers and, and tight ends for dinner. Uh, talk, talk about that story that you wrote. And yeah. You guys can go to HoustonChronicle.com and check out Jonathan's story about the weekly dinners that they, uh, that they host, uh, that the, many of the Texans have. Because he also has yeah. one where the quarterbacks, yeah. where he and Davis Mills and Case Keenum get together as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I wrote about that. about um, So Case Keenum came last year he was with Buffalo he told me he said um, Josh Allen was was really big on quarterback dinners and thought it was a good way to to build camaraderie among the group and he brought it here and, and CJ and Davis obliged they they said they wanted to do it so every Friday they go out to dinner with their Case's wife Davis's fiance and CJ's manager sometimes and sometimes CJ's the fifth wheel CJ's just rolling yeah, solo yeah, just rolling solo sometimes <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I would assume there's a few hundred thousand women in Houston who would love to go and 
and tag along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but CJ's been solo for a, for a good bit of it, and and part of it they want to get CJ used to the Houston food scene because CJ is huge on LA stuff, and uh, so <laughs> it was funny. Case was um, Davis first told him, and he was like, "Yeah, CJ had a request of wanting to go to Italian, and was talking about let's go to Olive Garden." And, <laughs> <laughs> and and K said like we we'll do a little higher level than yeah. that. Yeah, K said I love Olive Garden as much as the next person, but there's some other restaurants <laughs> out there. So they've been going to different various different restaurants it, and, and it, trying it, them I out. Mean, it's it's mm-hmm. also that's also one of those things. Where CJ's 23 years old, 22, yeah. 23 years old. He's it, a kid. He's it, Olive Garden's great for him. It, exactly, yeah. Olive Garden's great for me. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so you know, and the dinners aren't aren't they don't ever talk about football. They just talk about life outside of football. Faith. All, all three of them, all, all three of those guys are big on faith as well. Um, and and they just talk about life off the field. And I I really do believe that's helped them significantly, especially during the time when CJ got hurt. And I wrote about this. Um, you know, D'Amico made the decision to choose Case Keenum over Davis Mills when Davis Mills was number two all year. And, and Mills could have pouted, and Mills could have pouted, could have could have demanded a release, uh, uh, be waived, and he did not showed up. No, should not showed up yeah. easily. And people, people, you know, would have understood it to some degree because he had been number two. But he supported Case Keenum. He probably was mad. I'm sure he was, mm-hmm. but he was still ready prepared when they called him he played against the Browns the first time you know in the second half when Case struggled and and Case just talked about the love he had for 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 Davis and and CJ and I think you know that the, those dinners and in that closeness those guys have have been a big reason uh, have been a credit to those dinners that they have oh it, it it makes a difference I mean it's one of those we don't have to go too deeply into it but I wrote a column um in Saturday's paper again Shameless plug, go to HoustonChronicle.com and check it out about the faith with uh, a lot of the Texans leaders. And every press conference, C.J. Stroud starts out by thanking his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Will Anderson does the same. And D'Amico Ryans does the same. So I talked to one of my longtime friends. Um, He's much older than me, trust me. (laughs) Bishop James Dixon II, who's the pastor of the Community of Faith Church, was one of my boys, and and he he was just like he is so proud of those guys by what they do and you know not being ashamed of putting their position in the faith out there. And one thing that uh, Jimmy Dixon told, said that you know when they were injured, and both of those guys, Will Anderson and C.J. Stroud, were out for two games. He said, when they were injured, you know they leaned on their faith to, to, to get healthy, to get their mind right. To, and knowing that when they came back, the Texans needed to win those games to get into the playoffs. So they, they were, they, and they've been in playoff mode for about three, a yeah. couple of weeks for sure. And part of that is, is from their faith. And it's fascinating. Like, and, and I, I've even struggled with, but I was, that's the reason I wrote it. I said, they say these things all the time. And do we put it out there? Do we present it? Are we telling their real story by just ignoring it and going to the next part of it? Because I know if they they said some other stuff, we would put that in stories, mm-hmm. but we don't go there. So it's, it's kind of fascinating uh, in that sense. And, but uh, uh, Pastor Dixon said, uh, uh, you, don't, you don't think God's rooting for the Texans <laughs> necessarily. Because yeah. I'm sure there are believers and faithful people on the other teams too. So that's not necessarily the yeah. case. But it doesn't hurt that your guys, 
they 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 share a bond in that way. Yeah, I think every Friday night too. I think Brevin told me, either every Friday night or, or Saturday they they had they go to the chapel and they have you know usually somebody like leads them out mm-hmm. either in prayer or with a word. And and uh, I know Brevin's part of that. CJ's part of that. I, I'm not exactly sure who else is, but you know that's a big part of who they are. Yeah, I, um, they don't have. They used to have a team chaplain. Yeah, uh, and they had him for years, Chappie. Um, and then when Jackie's became he, he messed all that up. I I know you only caught a portion of of that stuff, but the the transformation of this organization, and I also wrote about this the other day. Um, like Cal McNair is not going to get the credit that he deserves for what's happened because. He had such a bad start, a poor start as an owner, and he's been with the team forever, and he wasn't doing anything. His dad ran everything. But to hire D'Amico Ryans, rookie head coach, who had never, who'd only had one year as an offensive coordinator, I mean a defensive coordinator, to say, okay, we'll draft C.J. Stroud with the number two pick. Okay, we'll trade picks up and move up to get Will Anderson. To, to, there, there are valid reasons for not doing either one of those. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, I, I'm not making. I'm not gonna gloss over it. Like, oh, that was a no brainer. Those those were not no brainers. Yeah, Th- those were. And whether he made the decision or not, he did have to sign off on them. That is impressive. Yeah, he and he took an extra part in in the the hiring process. Remember, uh, he had been criticized heavily, you know, for what had happened, and he said that he was going to take a bigger part in the hiring process and who they wanted as a hiring coach and he wanted to be front and center he wanted to be held accountable and he did that and and i remember people mm-hmm. you know mocking him like oh yeah. my goodness he's going to be more involved in the decision making that that mm-hmm. might not be a good thing yeah. and and i'll give him credit for all not only all of that and and the, the transformation team but also give him credit in that he's not out front bragging about what he did either. yeah yeah like, dude don't even yeah. talk to us yeah <laughs> that's, that's not his thing his dad bob mcnair kind of went out of his way but he would he would go out of his way to talk after every loss Mm. i mean he talked after most games but after a loss he would stand there and and take the bullets because that was his thing cal doesn't like the media doesn't you know really get into that but uh let's move on to what's happening now this week as they prep for the cleveland browns who came in here and dusted them (laughs) <laughs> with with the worst loss of yeah. the season by far uh handle them what you know they just handled the Texans here at NRG Stadium uh Joe Flacco went off lighting the Texans up um Amari Cooper just had wasn't a career game cuz he's put up other big games too but it was it was one of those games where you like uh, he, I'm sure he's got a game ball stuck on a mantle somewhere at his house yeah. because he had 11 catches for 265. What? It was 265. It was a career. High. It was a career, it was high. career high. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's uh, how, how do they deal with that? Yeah, I, so the Texans Achilles heel all year has been the explosive plays, and I think the Browns exploited that, and that's Joe Flacco's strength. He loves the deep ball. That's what. That's how he made his money with the Ravens, and Amari Cooper is just a veteran receiver. That if you don't, if you're not on top of your game, he can embarrass you, and that's what happened. And they took advantage. First play, I think it was first or second play of the game. They went with a deep shot, 53 yard pass to Amari Cooper. Oh, oh no, that was the first play of the game. And I'm telling you, um, 
D'Amico Ryans was not happy. No, he was. Because <laughs> like, no, okay. they had stressed it all week. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. not, we, let's not give up the big play. Let's not give up the big pass play because th- that's the only way they could hurt us. Mm-hmm. And it was the first play of the game, um, a, a 59-yarder, or, I mean a 53-yarder. And yeah. it was like, well, wait a minute, hold up. We, didn't we talk about this all yeah. week? Yeah, so that, that, that might have been the first time. I mean, he's been disappointed after a loss. Yeah, I hadn't seen him that much. But he, he was pissed. Yeah. yeah he, <laughs> he, he was a little hot. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> even the rushing numbers, I'm looking at them now, um, the leading running back in that game for the Browns, 15 carries for 25 yards. Yeah. You know, and so, so they shut down the running game but you let Flacco throw for 368 yards and the first play of the game gas you like that deep, uh, not good. But you, you know this better than anybody else. That secondary is not the secondary of Texas. They, yeah. had, they had guys out there who had just got there, guys who were yeah. playing for injured players, et cetera. No, no excuses because, like mm-hmm. I said, D'Amico doesn't take the excuses. They're yeah. out there. You're supposed to make the plays. But that's not the team that's going to play. On yeah, Saturday. they're going to be a little bit healthier. Steven Nelson was out on one of the plays that they had that 75-yard uh, pass. They put um, Ross out there, um, De- D'Angelo Ross, and uh, that was his first defensive snap. We talked about it. Yeah, and he embarrassed his whole family on that. <laughs> he got, he got <laughs> terribly exposed. And, uh, well, he did. But, but they also should have had some help. They should have <laughs> gave him some help. You don't want him on Mari Cooper. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, we, real quick, let me. We're here at Grand Imaging, uh, this beautiful podcast studios on North Post Oak. Uh, Marcus Sullivan is the owner over here. He's over there laughing, but he he played defensive back at the University of Houston, and I know he got smoked a few times. But I, you know, I ain't gonna call him out like that. But he, you can't be laughing at some dude getting smoked when you know it has happened to you too. All right. <laughs> I just mentioned four letters. UCLA. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> the, the Jerome got re- Jerome got receipts. Just, he got receipts. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm on, yeah. He got receipts. <laughs> but but yeah, yeah I, I I think they're gonna be a lot. They should be a lot better and more prepared because they know what to expect. They know that the Browns gonna test them. It's probably gonna be on the first drive of the game again. The Browns gonna try to take a deep shot, just like other teams. Titans tried to do it two weeks ago, and they were fortunate. Uh, the wide receiver, uh, his name is slipping my mind right now, dropped it. But mm-hmm. would have yeah. had a walk in touch. He had him, yeah. Yeah. So they they know what to expect. They should play it deep this time so they don't get beat um, because they've been susceptible to it. Um, but a, a lot of it, too, is is the Texans' ability to get pressure. They didn't get pressure on the Browns the first time they played them. They didn't and get Will Anderson wasn't yep. there. Will and, Anderson went what, there. What is his health status? Because he he wasn't out there for many snaps against um, yeah. Indianapolis. He only played what twelve snaps the game before because of that high ankle sprain. Yeah. yeah, he's been playing on a bad ankle and, and and trying to practice through it. And I don't think it's going to get better unless he he sits and he's not planning on sitting. So I think he's probably going to try to give it as much as he can. I think he had about thirty two snaps last game, which is which was 20 more snaps than mm-hmm. they had uh, the previous game. So I think that should, you know, having him more involved in offense and possibly Jonathan Grenard. Uh, we asked D'Amico about it today. You know, he hopes that Grenard is able to return. And, and What's his injury? Uh, he has an ankle injury as well. And and guys have typically missed two games, at least two games, with ankle injuries this season. So Grenard's missed two games. I'm sure Grenard – 
he is hungry to come back. So I think he's going to do everything in his power to come back. So they need all those guys, even if they're not playing the full 100 snaps. If they can get them on third down pass plays, then that's what mm-hmm. they want, ideally. Yeah, if you, if you let Flacco stand there in the pocket, you know, unharmed, he, he's going to cause some harm. You yeah. know, he'll hurt you. And he's good enough to do that. He's got a big arm, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, d- d- now, as big as this win was at Indianapolis, the run defense was terrible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were atrocious. they were just getting smoked. And that was the first time that they had had a game like that. Like, all season, no, yeah, no like, running back had 100 yards against them all year, and all yeah. of a sudden Jonathan Taylor bust him for like 188 mm-hmm. and should have been leaving 189 if they put him in there on four for one. <laughs> I, I, I still don't get that one. That, that, that's Her a, ankle or not. That's as bad as the USC not having Reggie Bush on the field for fourth down against the Texas Longhorns they, in 2005. Yeah. You they got said to have had, your yeah. best player on the field. They said the guy that they put in had played in six games uh, in his whole entire career. And and, and they, they had never thrown a pass to him on third or fourth down. That's crazy. Now, now – I, as a writer and and and, and columnist, I, I critique and dog coaches and have fun with coaches and players a lot, uh, especially on the professional level. I don't I don't do that with the younger guys, but like that just seems like a stupid decision. Yeah. But had it worked, it would be like wow. That's why he was wide open because yeah, the Texans yeah. like, well, they're not throwing to that dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it almost worked. It was it, yeah. it was beautiful. Yeah. Except the. Minshew didn't throw a good pass and homeboy didn't catch it. So, sorry. I, I, the way Minshew had played the whole entire game, I would have never trusted him <laughs> to do that. I would have lived with the result. Well. Yeah. Bad ankle and not, I would have lived with the result of putting in the player in, in my best player's hands. And the Texans, they, they've been going through a lot of situations like this. Close games, a lot of things have fallen their way. And they were fortunate there. And um, I, I don't know. The whole time I still felt like the Texans were going to win regardless, even though Kaimi missed that extra point and, and they made them susceptible. Mm. I still felt like it was something about the Texans that they were going to win. And they, and yeah, they I mean, like I said I, earlier, I, they, I felt like they were in control of the game. Even even when the game was tied, uh, once it got into the third quarter and, and uh, the Colts went down and scored a touchdown and got a two-point conversion to tie it, I, I still felt like the Texans were in control. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's weird to say a team's in control – when the other team is running up and down the field, but they weren't getting beat with any pass plays, they could move the ball. You could tell they they had something going there. It 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 just turned out to be a closer game, maybe than it should have been. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I thought I thought I mean it was a pretty even matchup, but you know, just giving up so many yards to Jonathan Taylor. The only the only way that the Colts were going to beat the Texans was if they let Jonathan Taylor get off, and they allowed that to happen because Gardner Minshew wasn't going to beat them. And on that last drive. Of the Colts, it was, Taylor was running. <laughs> they were mm-hmm. giving him the ball, yeah. and then all of a sudden they had a timeout. They called a timeout, came out on fourth down, and and didn't get it done. Yeah. Um, and it's I'm sure Texans fans are like, man, we deserve a little bit of luck here. Yeah. Uh, I'm much more in the the vein of you create your own your own luck by how you approach the game. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I mean, I I just think D'Amico Ryan's is. His personality, his coaching style, his intensity shows up in fourth quarter of close games. Yeah, seven and three, and I think they've they hadn't lost a close game since. If I'm not, oh, it was the Jaguars game. They lost a close game to the Jaguars game, but before that, it was like week eight against the Panthers. So they've been or week nine. Um, so they've been really good in those games, and, and I think 
when they have C.J. Stroud, I think they're just confident. They just know he can help deliver. Um, even the loss to the Jaguars, they put uh, Matt Amendola out there. And if they would have had Kaimi Fairbairn, even though 58 yards is extremely hard. That's a little, that's a little deep. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it, it hit the crossbar. Yeah, it it hit literally – Six more inches longer, they win that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, this has been a team that has been competitive throughout the season. You know, the first game of the season with a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback on the road against the team that eventually became the number one seed, the Baltimore Ravens. They got pushed around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but... This this team this the Texans are a good team. Yeah. I, I, it's it, all season we've been like, are they good? Are they really good? We're wondering, uh, but when you stack as much good play as they have, <clears throat> as much good play as they have back to back to back, uh, they're a good team. Yeah. So they, they, they belong in the playoffs. They earned it. You don't get to you don't accidentally win ten games in the NFL. No. Uh. Uh-uh. And they beat good teams. They beat the Steelers. They beat the Jaguars. They beat the Broncos when the Broncos were hot. Uh, they won a lot of good games. It wasn't just a cakewalk. So you got to give credit to to D'Amico Ryan's, C.J. Stroud, and company. Um, they 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 like you said they earned it. So what happens this weekend? Saturday afternoon, three o'clock. Yeah, I'm sure you heard about it, but you know didn't might not got the full reference. But that's the Texans window. That's yeah. Every every year they make the playoffs, every they year. make them play that first game on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. in that game. Uh, back in 2011, when the first time they ever made the playoffs, that was when J.J. Watt became J.J. Watt the star with an interception against the Bengals and returned for a touchdown there. Uh, is there a breakout start coming this weekend? Is this a, another home victory for the Texans? You know, I think it's going to be a tough game. I, I thought the Browns would probably be the team that they would least want to see. Um, of all the really? teams that they could have possibly faced, I, I believe they could have beat the the Bills even on the road, uh. and and the Chiefs too. Because I don't I don't think the Chiefs are as. Oh, you're good. just wrong about that. I don't they, think they, I don't they, think they, the Chiefs are they, as good. They I'm not they, saying they would. They didn't want to go to Buffalo and deal with the snow. We got we got. Yeah. I mean, they're it's they're not soft, but this is a warm weather team. I just, I just, I just <laughs> they got warm weather players I, across yeah. the board, so they didn't want to do that. And I. And now I'm just one of those people too yeah. who I'm I'm fighting against the reality. But I, man, I the, the I know the Chiefs can dust off anybody if they do what they're supposed to do. They yeah. just haven't done it all season. Yeah. But I I don't I think, think he's gonna show up in the playoffs for the Chiefs. I'm not a okay. believer in the Chiefs. I, I, I think the I think the Bills. You know we're recording this, right? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm not just, a believer just, in them. I don't just think remind they're going to this. I, I think they'll probably get to the <laughs> AFC Championship and lose to whoever they what face. That, what if if like if it if it gets that if it gets that far, who do they play? The, the the Dolphins, yeah. I think the Dolphins are struggling right now, so they could win. But no, I I thought that the Texans stood a better chance against those teams than they do the Browns. I think the, I'm not saying that the Texans going to lose. I do think that mm-hmm. they can beat the Browns. Yeah. I just think right now Browns have just a real elite defense, and we know you need a good defense to win in the playoffs. Um, so I'm kind of on edge right now. I'm gonna do some more research. Between these teams, I, I do think CJ Stroud gives them a much better chance than Case Keenum gave. Yeah, um, See, I, no, I think the the elite defense level of the Browns is it, it's not exaggerated. I just they're not one of those. Oh my God, I'm scared to play against this team defense. They're just finished first in the league in yards allowed, mm-hmm, yards allowed first passing in yards, yards yeah. passing yards allowed. But they're 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 not you know the you know the 
forget any of the, the classic defenses, the 2000 Ravens or 85 Bears or something, where you you know going into the game you're going to score 13 points if you get you get lucky. They're not doing that. They give up 21 points a game, which is the middle of the league. The 13 in the league in points allowed. So you you can score a little bit on them, but but they're good. they're really good. But I'm, I think I mean, they're I really think good. Part of that had to do with the fact that they were dealing with like. They had they were putting in PJ Walker up, up there, so he was throwing some picks, and it was a so the offense was so the, yeah the offense was giving up points. I don't think that defense is giving up points. Defense ain't messing around. Now, the thing in particular, really honestly, that concerns me. Yeah. All jokes aside, it's like the fact that the Texans only have one receiver, like Nico Collins. That, like, that, that's like Dalton is going to have to really, really step up because I don't think that the other receivers are ready for this not moment. Capable of, no, yeah. not 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 yet. And, and it really is. To go back to it, really is ridiculous. How does Indianapolis not? Yeah. If it, if they only have one guy, how do you not handle that? But then again, we could say the same thing about Amari Cooper yeah. and the Browns when they came here. Like that's the only guy they got to throw to. You can't shut that down. Exactly. Look, if the Texans had a healthy Tank Dell and Nico Collins, I'd be picking mm. them right now. But uh, I think it's going to be a tough battle. Robert Woods. Robert Woods. He was, you know, he was a game time decision, and I saw him working out, and he just didn't look right. And, um, so he so he should be close yeah, enough to he, yeah I would, it'll probably I, yeah. be a game time decision. But even Robert Woods though he's thirty one years old and he hasn't I don't I don't know what his oh, season Lord. high is but I know it hasn't I know it's not seventy yards. About a man so. thirty one like he old. Or I know something. he 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 younger than me he, he he my age he my age and Robert Woods is one of the is one of the great guys in that locker room but but he old. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's in, football, in football in football in football terms because I'm I'm 33 so I'm older than Robert Woods but football I ain't getting out there with them 20 some year old boys but shout out Robert Woods good dude and uh you trying to cover it up now but I'm just I'm just saying he he he's, he he he'll, he'll be he'll probably be clutch at times but he's not going to get you 70 yards what I think uh. Texas needing another lead performance from another receiver because I think the Browns are going to be smart and try to shut down Nico mm. Collins. I'll never forget one of uh, a, a story I wrote. I was a beat writer with the Boston Globe covering the Patriots and, I, I, and it was not to brag it was well written. It was smooth. I, I went all in on Willie McGinnis and called him the old man because he was like 35 years old and man brother dog me so bad when I got back in the locker room he's like oh what the Negro, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was he was and, and he was joking more than anything. He wasn't really hot, but he was, he, but he, but he ripped me like to shreds. I was like, oh man, like mm. I guess I did kind of call you old, like. Yeah. But he was thirty five. He wasn't Robert Woods, you know, yeah. youngster. And I was at that time, I was younger, so I was like, yeah, you are old, Willie. <laughs> hey, fifth down. We appreciate you listening in, Pioneer Audio for producing um, Grand Imaging for hosting us here. My man, Marcus Sullivan, look up at Grand Imaging on Instagram. Um, Marcus, I mean, um, Jonathan is at, what are you, at John M. Alexander on X. I'm at Jerome Correct. Solomon. All of our stuff and all of our Texans playoff coverage this week at HoustonChronicle.com. Quickly, Final score. Are you picking Browns? I already see it. I'm, I, yeah, I think you know I'm gonna tell I, all the players. I, 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 my pick, <laughs> as I do research, it could change, but right now I think it's a Browns win, twenty-seven to twenty-three. Mm. Yes, okay. that's all right. But it could change. I still got till Saturday. 
Uh-huh. We'll that, see. That, but that's how you do. See, you 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 put one pick in the paper, you put another pick on the podcast, <laughs> and the third pick uh, on X or Twitter or something, another one on Instagram. Yeah. And and they the point, one is you right. You like, right. see, I called that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Jonathan Alexander of Jerome Solomon. We'll catch you next week as we recap the Texans and the Browns in the playoffs, and perhaps the Texans will be playing in a division game next week. Later.